Hey guys, it's Chase with csjoseph.life doing another episode uh, for season 17. This is episode 11 and we're going to be talking about how to type uh, with uh, the quadras basically. So season 17 so far, uh, we've talked about uh, each of the four sides of the mind. Uh, we've also had an opportunity uh, to talk about uh, the various um, uh, like we've gone even deeper, like for example, talking about gender, uh, talking about uh, uh, you know angelic versus demonic forces upon superego, where the superego comes from, the origin of all cognition as we know it, etc. Uh, we've also gone deeper, talking about the quadras and whatnot. And uh, tonight we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be focusing on uh, how you could utilize the quadras to actually type someone effectively. And uh, I'm also going to be whiteboarding out the process. Uh, we might take a little bit of time on the, on the, uh, on the uh, type grid, but I do want to draw everyone's attention to the Quadra Foursquare, which I would be basically demoing it for the audience here. Uh, the Quadra Foursquare was recently made available for um, the Ultimate Messaging Formula at ultimatemessagingformula.com. And since the type grid was already leaked publicly, uh, I'm going to be utilizing that as a visual aid as well. Just sharing a couple of pieces from the ultimate messaging formula, as well as uh, further, uh, you know, going deeper, I guess, uh, within our discussion on quadras. And uh, I think this is necessary because the following episode of season uh, 17, which will be episode 12, we're actually going to be um, talking about how to parent children and uh, child development, basically mental child development and the uh, four stages of, of life, basically according to the four sides of the mind. That's gonna be episode 12. And I think 13, we're probably gonna be looking a lot more deeper or well, a lot deeper into parenting and children. And then after that, I think where there's a couple of bonus episodes that we have regarding season 17 and then season 17 will be coming to a close. If you haven't uh, figured it out already, we have two episodes out now for season 18. Those are email only lectures, and uh, those have already been made available. Wow, like, seriously, where's my wand? Like, come on. You know, I can't, like, be flipping around you like a crazy man without one. So, uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, make sure you guys sign up for our email, csjoseph.life forward slash typegrid. You can get the original type grid, uh, which will be made available there, uh, get you on your email list. Just note that if you guys unsubscribe for our emails, you're not gonna get season 18. So just so you know, like, and uh, a lot of people keep asking for the first couple of episodes. Uh, they are not available now. They may be made available later, but again, if you unsubscribe from the email list, well, then you're not gonna get them. So keep that in mind. You want to make sure that you're not missing the awesomeness that is season 18. You can actually see some of the remnants of season 18 right here on the blackboard uh, behind me. Uh, it's been uh, it's been very interesting. So, and the next episode is going to be known as the uh, System of Judgment, where we're going to be doing a nice uh, deep dive into how uh, judging functions or decision making functions are utilized. So, just a couple of previews uh, for that. Um, so awesome, and. Uh, Great, so let's let's just dive in now. I think I've gotten enough announcement related things. I don't need to really go into detail. Um, oh, I'm gonna be probably releasing some special episodes uh, as well this week uh, that have nothing to do with anything that we've been talking about. So just because I had, I don't know, a hair up my butt about it, I guess. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I've just been kicking around the idea. May as well do it because a lot of people are interested in it and I could probably do a quick 16 episodes, probably film them in like two days time and just, you know, there we have it, a bunch of content for everyone. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, on to the quadras. Uh, so the quadras, uh, we've talked about uh, their virtues and their vices. We've talked about uh, what are the quadras basically. Uh, we've been talking about crusaders, we've been talking about templars, we've been talking about wayfarers, we've been talking about philosophers, and uh, it's just it's just so interesting. Now, I would like to state, you know, a lot of people coming in uh, to season 17 because, you know, how the YouTube search algorithm goes, or, or any search algorithm for that matter, they're not going to watch season 17 in order. So, just a little bit of review. What is a quadra? A quadra is uh, basically 
four uh, four personality types uh, brought into uh, like the same uh, they they share the same cognitive functions essentially, and because they share the same cognitive functions, they behave very similarly. Not the same, but they they make decisions. They perceive they they see the world through the same eyes for the most part. They make decisions similar for the most part. They also heavily trigger each other. Like I mean, like really, they really trigger each other, but. While they're very annoying to each other from a type, uh, an archetypical uh, compatibility, Jungian compatibility standpoint, they're actually very high in camaraderie. And uh, one's own quadra is definitely the best place to actually learn a lot of lessons for yourself, especially when you're learning lessons from your own type, if you can actually stomach being around somebody of your own type for very long. Uh, I actually had the honor of experiencing that myself uh, when, uh, you know, working on ultimate messaging formula, for example, with Kat Abiatnik because she's an ENTP and I was able to learn a lot about, you know, being an ENTP and making a lot of mistakes. And it's kind of interesting because both of us have different cognitive focus. Uh, her cognitive focus is ISFJ uh, related. My cognitive focus is INTJ related. And cognitive focus, for you know, for, from a review standpoint, I'll be going into this deeper in season 18, but it's the one part of your nature that is directly impacted by your nurture. So depending on how you were raised, uh, depending on, uh, you know, uh, just uh, whether or not you've had some serious traumas or even serious successes in your life, it actually causes a person's, while their ego is, you know, whatever type it is, it can actually change into uh, favoring one of the other four sides of the mind uh, because um, their ego is not typically allowed uh, to be utilized uh, in their upbringing, which usually happens if you have someone of your own quadra uh, as a parent, as a parental figure. Actually, I had someone earlier in the audience today, I was reading all the YouTube comments and someone in the comments asked me, it's like, hey, is it statistically likely that uh, someone, uh, that, that at least one of your parents uh, is within the same quadra as you. And I, it, it, really, it really shocked me, that question, uh, because I started TIing that and really thinking about it. I was even thinking about it in the shower even. I was just so baffled by that question. It was a very insightful question. And I'm like, wow, you know, there's really, a good chance that that may actually be statistically likely um, because that's just, that's how it is with my parents. It's how it is with Railgun's parents. And I started thinking about like with everyone that I know, you know, um, at, at least one child, uh, at least one child in the family, at least uh, of a set of kids uh, definitely shares the same quadra. But is it true that every child uh, that is raised in a family shares a quadra with one of the parents? Is it always the case? I don't think that's always the case, but I have seen at least so far, based on my initial thinking and going through all the people in my life that I know, because I've memorized all of them with my SI inferior, going aspirational mode, that there is a chance that it's statistically likely. I don't know. I really don't know. I know birth order has a lot to do with it, and we'll be talking a little bit about that in subsequent episodes of season 17. But regardless, I, I do think it's something that this audience needs to at least consider. If you guys have any uh, thoughts on that concept, please leave a comment below. I really want to read into that uh, because before I launch into the parenting uh, lectures, I want to know a little bit more about where the audience sees things and maybe we can create an open forum. I might actually release like a little online questionnaire as a survey to get information from people in the audience to actually find out so we can actually create data and statistics uh, you know, to that point. But again, we have to take it with grains of salt because not a lot of people actually know how to type themselves or others, which is really frustrating. But guess what? That's why we're having this episode right now to actually discuss that. Um, so, you know, it, it's 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 absolutely critical to be able to uh, you know have that point of view because you know if you don't then you're gonna find yourself in a situation where you know if you don't know how to type yourself or others then you're you're seriously allowing yourself to kind of like fall behind to a point uh, in that area. Okay, cool. So I got my first visual aid set up. So I'm gonna go into it right now. 
Um, oh, we got a couple of comments in the chat already. Um, so we got uh, Shmoney says, I'm the last born and the only pragmatic of my mother's four children. Lol. Yes, guys, by the way, folks, we have like a live audience for the recording of this lecture. It's like for Patreon Gold, it's the live lecture uh, for this month. So, and uh, Alan Chang says, in the case of only child, I think it's less likely that the kid is in the same quadra as one of the parents. I mean, okay, that's fine, Helen. Uh, but if I was an only child, because I am the firstborn uh, of my family, if, if I was an only child, then that wouldn't be true. So I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and Nudrovite, uh, I can't say that name, sorry. I'm an INFJ, my mom's an ENFJ. And my little sister is an ISTP. Well, tons of quadra all over the place. And then uh, Leva says, my mom and I are both ESTJs. And uh, John Stevenson's asking a question, super ego-oriented. I'm not here to take questions until the Q&A session, good sir. Uh, but uh, but I, I imagine you could, technically. Anyway, thank you for all the comments. But uh, also, like when this video is posted, leave comments there too, because I want everybody in the community to be able to be part of this discussion. It's really important uh, to me and uh, will assist with upcoming lecture content. Okay, so let's see how this works. Awesome, that's not gonna work. Let's try this one. Okay, or let's try this one. No, let's try this one. All right, so here's the type grid. This is the type grid that was leaked by our friend uh, Vic uh, Ruiz and has also been copied by certain people on Instagram recently. I've gotten a few uh, people. You know, it's funny about that, that copy of the type grid. It's even actually using all of our original names for each of the individual types because, you know, it's like, hey, as long as I have the type grid posted online without any of Chase's fancy visuals, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not violating copyright or anything, am I? You know what I mean? It's just weird to me how people just think they could just steal stuff, but it is what it is, um, you know. People like that will definitely be dealt with, but you know, in the meantime, you know, the community has to move on and we have to continue our work. So that's what uh, I'll definitely be doing. But welcome to the TypeGrid 3.0. Uh, may as well talk about it here because guess what? It was leaked. This is one of the uh, core things that you get with Ultimate Messaging Formula at ultimatemessagingformula.com. Uh, but this is the primary tool with which we use as a community to type ourselves or other people. Uh, and mastery of the type grid is basically uh, everything that you need uh, to achieve uh, to be able to psychoanalyze anybody and do it you know, instantly. Uh, there have been a lot of issues with the type grid though in the past, it hasn't been so accessible. A lot of people uh, had some really strong criticisms about it because they didn't exactly understand the differences uh, between all of the individual pieces, but okay, yeah, I get that. Obviously, we've still kept our structure, starter, finisher, background, nomenclature. We're still running with the guardians, artisans, intellectuals, idealist nomenclature from a disposition standpoint. And uh, so dispositions are at the top, aka temperaments. And then we have the communication styles, uh, structure, starter, finisher, background, etc. A couple of changes, though, before I go in a little bit deeper. Uh, I would like to explain, though, that um, direct and initiating uh, uh, is there, but instead of saying control, we decided to say outcome. And uh, the reason why is because we've noticed that control types actually resonate a little bit more with the word outcome. And then the movement types are resonating a little bit more with the word progression. And this is just something that uh, we've noticed within the community and we wanted to have the opportunity to actually make those changes to make this, uh, this diagram a little bit more accessible when you're using it to psychoanalyze people. Uh, absolutely necessary so and yeah I'm showing it here on YouTube you know for free because it was leaked so okay great it was leaked that sucks but it is what it is but uh, but you know hey you know I'm, I'm sharing it right now uh, for all to see so that uh, we can we can interact with it appropriately uh, so yeah and we have uh, also we changed the the cleric uh, symbol from a lily to a lotus I think a lotus is uh, far more effective uh, especially you know with them being a Templar. Uh, we updated each of the cognitive functions to uh, be reminiscent of uh, the, the content that we're talking about right now in season 18. Season 18 is about cognitive mechanics. 
And we're talking about, uh, you know, bow and spear, bow being TE, spear being FI, or we're talking about sword and mace, sword being TI, mace being FE, or we're talking about earth and water, which is introverted sensing versus extroverted intuition, or fire and wind, uh, which is introverted intuition versus extroverted sensing. Each of those cognitive functions are representative within each of the individual types. And then uh, also within each of the individual 16 type squares, we've also added, and I'm gonna move my mouse, hopefully you guys can actually see this here. Like for adjudicator, there's the symbol for the philosopher. In gladiator, there's the symbol for the Templar. In martial, there's the symbol for the wayfarer. Within rogue, there's the symbol for uh, crusader. And what this does is that it gives you folks the opportunity uh, to basically see, okay, yeah, here's the 16 types. Here's what specifically uh, each, each quadrant they belong to. And we actually made sure to include that within the type grid. Just, you guys have to really understand something about the type grid. Um, one of the reasons why it works so well, uh, in fact, uh, it, it works perfectly well um, and to the point where you can absolutely fundamentally put all of your faith into the type grid when it comes to psychoanalysis because it will not let you down. Uh, the reason why is because uh, it really helps you achieve a level of deductive reasoning when it comes to psychoanalysis that most people have not been able to do. Why is this? And, and guys, I'm leading up to the quadras uh, in a second here, so bear with me. The reason why is because you have to see the type grid as a three-dimensional, four-dimensional. It's, it's an abacus, guys. It's an abacus. Have you guys ever done calculus before? Um, so you need to, especially if you're TE users uh, watching this, if you're an expert thinker, you need to remember something. You folks make decisions based on inductive reasoning more than anything. And when you're making, a, so this is all you bow users out there, inductive reasoning. What is bow, what is deductive reasoning mean? It basically means qualification, right? You're trying to qualify people under each of these, um, under, uh, under each of these uh, 16 types basically. And so what you guys end up doing, you always look at the type grid and you're like, okay, well, you know, I really think he's informative and, uh, you know, he's obviously, uh, he's responding. Okay. So, you know, but, uh, uh, oh yeah. And then, oh, definitely an artisan. So he's a druid. And then you guys get your answer wrong. The reason is because you're trying to add traits to people. That's not the appropriate way. TE users, you need to learn how to subtract traits from people. So you need to use deductive reasoning. So here's how you do it. You assume that whoever you're typing is literally everybody. You assume that they're all traits. And then you just subtract traits from them that they aren't, or they are less than the other one. This allows you to view the type grid from a primary versus secondary standpoint. And it also gets your head out of thinking about statics and start thinking about dynamics. That's what the type grid is all about. It's about identifying specific dynamics uh, between each of the 16 types. And this is explained at length uh, within the ultimate messaging formula, including worksheets, to be able to kind of like figure out how that works exactly. But back to the abacus model, uh, you have to see the type grid uh, as an abacus. And what's really special about an abacus when you're doing calculus, for example, is that when you're doing a calculation on abacus, there's different, it's like, a, it's, like it's almost like a cube. You see, there's different vectors with which to apply your logic in order to come up with an answer, for example, right? And this version of the type grid has four vectors on how to use it, four vectors, okay? The, the first type grid we released, we really only had two, maybe three technically vectors represented, but with the quadras present, the quadras basically being the fourth vector, uh, you're able to type people based on their vectors, uh, on these four vectors. So what are these vectors? Well, the first one is the obvious one, uh, their communication style, that's a vector, right? And then you have the disposition, that's a vector. And then you have their uh, cognitive armaments, and cognitive armaments are literally their, 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 uh, their functions when they're paired with each other. Like for example, bow and spear, which is TEFI user, guess what? that's an armament, right? Or that's a, you know, that's a, that's an arsenal because we break it up into arsenal and we also break it up into, um, we also break it up into um, uh, affinity, which is your elemental affinity. And this is talked about at length in season 18, episode two. It just dropped to the email users earlier this week. 
uh, I hope you get, I hope you guys are like not missing out on that. But when we explain uh, the cognitive functions from like a magical affinity point of view, earth and water, S-I-N-E, for example, fire and wind, N-I-S-E, for example. Uh, so that is also a vector, right? And an example of this, I guess the best example of this would be when you watch me type people on the how to type live streams, for example, and understanding the dynamic between how bow and spear sits together, how they're on a cognitive axis with one another and how they interact with each other. And then how bow and spear likes to be paired up with uh, sword and mace. And sword and mace are also on an axis with one another, but then they link up pretty well together with bow and spear users because then they have a complete set of, of arsenals available to them in whatever situation, right? It's, uh, it's, it's no different with their cognitive affinities because their cognitive affinities are literally like their, um, their elemental focus uh, specifically for each of the 16 types. This is also necessary to understand, right? So cognitive armaments, which is their arsenal plus their affinity, arsenal being their weapons, which is decision-making functions, their affinity being their, their elements that they're attached to, being their perception functions, uh, those also are additional vectors. Um, now, I would say cognitive armaments would represent maybe like one vector, and I'm kind of grouping them all together. But if you really break it down, it's actually like a lot of vectors alone because there's technically four sub-vectors within that, right? Within this uh, abacus of the type grid, right? So uh, that's fantastic. And then obviously the final vector is that of quadras. And if you can identify their quadra, well, guess what happens? Like, seriously, it's like, oh, this guy's obviously a crusader. Great, you've just eliminated 12 of the types off of the, uh, off the thing. But, or, or even look at it even more than this. You can go even deeper. It's like, oh, okay, this guy is obviously a sword mace user. Okay, if he's a sword mace user, you've just eliminated uh, half the types right there. You see, half the types. And then you could go in deeper with the quadra. If you, if you find one car cognitive armament and you find one quadra, well, guess what? You only have two types left at that point. You see what I'm saying? Or actually potentially four types, potentially. But uh, there's so many different combinations. There's so many different ways that you yourself can interact with the type grid. And there's so many vectors we haven't even added. Those are just like the main four. That, and you can also get a correct answer with just using two. This is where it gets into the deductive versus inductive reasoning when you're using the type grid because if you know their disposition and, the, and their communication style by default, you know which one of the 16 types they are. You see what I'm saying? But having the ability to use cognitive armaments analysis, which is axis, cognitive axis, and the ability to use quadras, for example, allows you to refine your results and also allows you to check your work. The great thing about an abacus is that you have to have the same answer regardless of which vector you use an abacus. And this right here is the fundamental reason as to why the type grid is science fact and not science fiction. It is not pseudoscience. So the fact that our brains have literally been reduced to uh, a system that an abacus can analyze and be utilized to identify this proves so much about like the structure of the human soul, psychologically speaking, guys. It proves so, so much. It also proves that people like Joe Biden, for example, who are running for office, are literally ESTJ, he's literally an ESTJ, he is adjudicator. And it's funny because when you're, when you're talking about uh, adjudicators as a result, um, you know, what, what do adjudicators do? I mean, come on, like, tell me, Tell me what 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 do um, what do philosophers do? Let's get the uh, let's get the quadra four square in here. There it is. What do philosophers do? What do they have a habit of doing? Oh, that's right. They have a habit of sacrificing their fellow human beings for the sake of personal gain. Gee, I wonder if a politician is ever going to do that. Wait. So why would I want to vote for Joe Biden? Right. Oh, but wait a minute, Trump, he's, you know, he's a wayfarer. What do wayfarers do? Oh, that's right, they steal. Do I really want him to be a leader, right? Or, you know, what about, what about a crusader? Who, who is a crusader president of the United States? Oh, Ronald Reagan, he was a crusader, right? I wonder how many times people like him, you know, found the innocent guilty and put away the wrong people, right? Hmm, I, wonder, I wonder what would happen there, you know? 
Or, or what about a Templar type? You know, John F. Kennedy, right? Good old Templar, right? You know, expecting everyone else around him to be responsible, but he himself was not so responsible, right? Wait a minute. You see what I'm saying, guys? Like, we really, really, really could utilize this science in our lives every day and psychoanalyze people properly, especially from a quadrature point of view, to really understand people's potential good habits and bad habits, and especially when they're running for office. Uh, are you sure? Are you sure that you're putting your faith into the correct quadra? Are you sure you are? Right. But of course, you know, philosophers have an advantage, right? Because, you know, philosophers are very politically minded. They also seek power more so than everybody else because they want their opinion to be so much more valuable than others because they're so afraid of being heard and they just want to look smart. And I'm sure Joe Biden really loves looking smart. But is he? Ask yourself that question. You see what I'm saying, guys? Like, there's, there's so much out here. And it's because of the quadras, if you actually think about it, it goes even further. This is why we have the Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning-Kruger means that the smart people think they're dumb and the uh, stupid people think they're smart, right? You know, hashtag Joe Biden. You know what I'm saying? So like, think about that, guys. Like even from like a, a, a political point of view, we really have to come to terms, uh, you know, with the reality of the situation is, you know, it also, it, it's kind of sucks when, you know, certain quadras are kind of more common than others, right? I think that really sucks. Wayfarers are definitely the, uh, the rarest because there's more affiliatives than there is pragmatics for sure. And uh, NTJs are super rare as is. So there's already less wayfarers than everybody else. But there is a glut of philosophers. They're all over the place, you know. Uh, and uh, there's also a glut of crusaders as well. The, the, like Crusaders is kind of even because you have, have the SFJs are hyper common and the NTPs are hyper rare. So it's, it kind of balances itself out. But the bottom line is, is that we cannot really, you know, show favoritism, you know, in terms of each of the quadras. But, you know, it's necessary to understand the quadras and how they work uh, so that you can fundamentally understand people. So anyway, here's the quadra of four square and it breaks down the cognitive armaments uh, such as their affinities and their... Um, and their uh, arsenals. The affinities are going across the top and the arsenals are going on the uh, left, uh, the left, right. And basically, you know, the, the sword and mace users who have earth and water just happen to be crusaders, right? That's literally how to use this. Or uh, the fire and wind users who happen to be uh, sword and mace are Templars, right? Or fire and wind users who are uh, spear and bow, guess what, they're the wayfarers, right? It's really, really easy. Now, granted, the ultimate messaging formula provides uh, like nice little uh, mini glossaries here and there within the documentation that actually explains uh, specific definitions as to each of how one of these individual dynamics works so that if you get confused, you can at least translate it as to how it works in order to you know, come to that conclusion. But it's absolutely necessary to uh, come to the point where you, know, you actually understand the quadras are definitely a tool with which you could utilize to type someone on a type grid. Uh, remember, it's this abacus with multiple vectors. Now, granted, there's tons of other vectors. You ever, you ever hear of the Rhinon dichotomies, according to socionics? That's definitely a set of a ton of vectors with which you could actually test uh, for uh, against the type grid. Uh, it really makes the type grid's abacus uh, calculative uh, uh, capabilities go even further. And uh, it's why the type grid is a, is a fantastic invention. And I'm very, I'm very happy uh, to be a part of its development because when it was first presented to me by my ESTP mentor, it only included communication styles and dispositions. It didn't include the rest. And uh, slowly over time, as I began to learn uh, psychology and learn the science, I began to realize that it was absolutely necessary to um, you know, apply the additional vectors to the type grid or, leave it, or at least discover that additional vectors were, were, were capable of using the type grid in order, to, in order to type people, to psychoanalyze people via process elimination. Because remember guys, the moment you're able to identify someone's type, you know all of their cognitive functions. You know the four sides of the mind. You could actually potentially identify where they're at in their cognitive development. You know where their fears are. You know where their worries are. You know where their pressure points are mentally. You could manipulate them. You could make them super happy. 
Uh, you can make them really angry. You could teach them a lesson. You could cause them to hate you. You could cause them to love you. There's so many different applications as a result. And you know, it's no different from a sales and marketing standpoint, as we have outlined in Ultimate Messaging Formula. It's no different from sexual relationships, for example. Like for example, uh, just look at the Quadra Four Square. You know, uh, Crusaders should be with Wayfarers. Templars should be with Philosophers, for example. They're all opposite of each other, which is also kind of interesting. But uh, you know, uh, that's literally how it goes. I mean, I guess under the Quadra Four Square, you can make the argument that opposites attract, right? Uh, because uh, when you look at socionics duality, which is what they uh, posit is the de facto compatibility in terms of sexual relationships, etc., uh, they would have you have a sexual relationship with the same people, these same four types that are within your own quadra. Yeah, that really sucks. Like, why would anyone want to do that? You know, these people exist to learn lessons from or exist to compete with you so that you become a sharper, more capable person. That's what camaraderie is all about. Compatibility is the whole opposites attract thing where you have the crusaders going for the wayfarers and the templars going for the philosophers, etc. You know, and this is absolutely, um, absolutely necessary to do that. Um, so, and, and yes, I do have some allergies. Uh, I have to, uh, I gotta, I gotta clean, I gotta clean this uh, room again. Um, I have to vacuum it all the time. So it, it's, there's like no ventilation in here for some reason. So <laughs> definitely going to be uh, getting that figured out in the near future. So yeah, uh, with that being said, um, so remember guys, just you got to utilize the quadras and, and really consider the quadras the way. Because like I said, on the type grid, if you can identify somebody's quadra very simply, you instantly know that they are one of these four types. And it actually makes it so much easier to eliminate, uh, you know, via communication style or disposition, for example. Uh, it makes it a lot easier to use those tools to actually eliminate from there. Like, for example, um, look at, let's look at, uh, let's look at, uh, let's look at Templar, right? So their communication style, all of the Templars, they're direct. They're all direct but some of them are outcome focused and some of them are progression. So why did we change outcome versus progression? Let's talk about outcome again. Outcome is when a person, for example, outcome is a person uh, who spends all of their time planning to, in order to do something right the first time, complete a task right the first time, uh, go to the store right the first time, uh, do uh, some kind of activity or goal, complete a goal or complete an objective uh, with just literally optimizing one attempt. And that's why they take so much time planning and they take so much time to figure it out. It's kind of like I, I talk about that uh, example of the man who walks to the bottom of all the bleachers in the stadium and looks up at all the bleachers and then identifies the chair he wants to go to and then he starts moving to the chair. Whereas the progression-based person, they're gonna just walk down, start walking down the stairs and they're gonna immediately claim the nearest possible seat so at least they have a seat because they know it's possible someone else might take another seat while they're scoping on additional seats in case they can identify another seat. But at least they got their first seat. So at least they're guaranteed a spot. Whereas the guy that went to the bottom of the bleachers, he spent all that time planning, right? To make that one attempt, to find that one perfect seat all that time to get that best outcome, right? Well, guess what? Me as the movement person is just gonna end up taking that spot before he can get there because I'm technically closer to it. You see what I'm saying? So then he loses out and then he gets all upset. But in reality situation, it's his own fault, right? Or is it? Because he's outcome focused, I'm progress focused. A progress-based person makes decisions differently. And how a progress-based, uh, um, so someone who's focused on progression, these are movement-oriented types. These people, what we do, instead of putting all that planning to make that one attempt and to do things right the first time, we just make attempt after attempt after attempt after attempt after attempt without any planning. And then as we make attempts and if we fail, then we, the next attempt will be better basically until we get it right. Sometimes though we get lucky and we nail it on the first attempt. So great, I hit it on the first attempt. So why do I have to bother spending all this time planning if I know I'm gonna hit it in the first attempt, right? It's faster, you see? 
faster with the risk of it being sloppy or much slower with a lower chance of it being sloppy. Two different ways of doing things. This is outcome versus progression. This is why it was changed on the type rate, folks. But if we're gonna use this as an example, if we see, you know, if, we're, if we've identified someone, okay, yeah, he's definitely a Templar type on a type grid. We know that he's fire and wind. We know that he's sword and mace, right? He's fire and wind, he's sword and mace, awesome. He is a Templar, great. We know this guy is a Templar. Well, here's the issue though. Which Templar is he? Well, I know they're all direct, okay? Because you're looking at dispositions and communication styles now, but they have different dispositions. Is he abstract? Is he concrete? Well, if he's abstract, and we've just eliminated the concrete ones, which is Artificer and Gladiator, which means this Templar could only be a Paladin or a Cleric, right? Uh, but then again, is he outcome focused? Does he spend a lot of time planning? Or does he make multiple attempts and try to get through? Oh, he's a multiple temp person. Oh, that means he is an INFJ Paladin, right? And it made it so much easier to do. Instead of just starting necessarily with this position and communication style, which could potentially eliminate uh, you know, eight to 12 uh, uh, people on, uh, on the, on the uh, type grid. If you hit their quadra first, guess what? You've just eliminated 12 instantly, and then you could use the rest of the tools on the type grid to further narrow it down. It's all about a process of narrowing it down, guys. It's a multi-vector abacus. That's what the type grid is for. It's literally a Rubik's cube. You need to treat it as such, right? Stop using inductive reasoning, you will not be successful. You need to use deductive reasoning to get the maximum amount out of the type grid. It's no different than when you're using an abacus, uh, you know, for, for calculus. It's no different, it's still deductive reasoning, it's still logic. Now, TE users, you're like, well, how do I do that, Mr. C.S. Joseph? It's pretty easy. Get out a piece of paper and write things down. I've noticed that TE users can use logic pretty well if they write things down. They just have to have the self-discipline, especially Wayfarers, for example. They have to have the self-discipline, actually pull out a notepad and actually start taking notes to, to write down all of their qualifications, per se, and then actually consider working backwards. Working backwards is a little bit hard for an NI user to do. Working backwards is typically uh, an NE person's to so this is why Wayfarers would actually really struggle with potentially typing someone correctly as a result. Luckily, philosophers can still work backwards, but they still have the problem of inductive reasoning as a result. Why is this relevant? It's relevant because Templars at the end of the day in terms of just natural and being natural about things within their nature. This is why I maintain Templars are the best of the quadras to actually utilize the type grid and, and type people appropriately. This also includes uh, you know, visual typing, et cetera. And by the way, if you guys wanna get in on some visual typing stuff, I'm gonna be doing my first lecture on visual typing in the very near future. It's going to be the March 2020 Ruby Conference. I believe it takes place next week. And I'll be touching on visual typing for the very first time uh, in, uh, uh, in uh, the, uh, the, the material that's going to be presented in the Ruby conference. If you want to find out more about that, go to csjoseph.life forward slash Patreon and sign up as a Ruby member so that you can gain access to that this month and also all of our previous Ruby conferences. They are available there. You go to that website, it's like a really big menu and stuff and you guys can like check that out. It's pretty, pretty dope. So anyway, so as you can see, it's really necessary to identify your Quattra, right? And uh, let's bring up the, uh, the, the type grid again, uh, just in case. Um, let's see here. All right, cool. Let's bring up the type grid right here. All right, uh, let's see. There we go. And uh, once you identify uh, their quadra, guess what? You know, like I said, if it's a crusader, it's, we you know, boom, rogue, ardent, knight, cavalier, everything is just basically X'd out after that. No problem. Totally not, you know, totally not actually uh, the thing. You know what I'm saying? So very nice, very useful, uh, very necessary. Don't just use just disposition and communication style. You can. You could definitely do that, but you can also use 
the quadras. You can also use cognitive armaments, which is basically the cognitive axes, you know, the, the sword and mace, et cetera, fire and wind, et cetera. You can use those all at the same time. But what's really, really important, make sure you e use each of these vectors within the abacus, that is the tichroid, to actually, um, um, I think like, uh, to check your work, like literally use them to check your work. It's important because if you see it one way, but it's not matching another way that you're coming to your conclusion, well, then it's incorrect. Remember, the beauty of an abacus is that regardless of what vector you choose to interact with an abacus, regardless, you'll still get the same answer. And that's how logic is supposed to work, right? That's how this abacus works. That's literally the fundamentals of calculus itself. We literally have reduced the human mind to a calculus-based algorithm based on these four sides dynamics, right? Uh, four sides of the mind, et cetera. So absolutely necessary. And uh, I think that uh, once everyone uh, is using um, the type grid, I think uh, we'll start to see a fundamental change in decision-making and human relationships uh, here on earth. Um, and it's a lot of these principles on top of a lot of human nurture principles uh, that we have uh, created, um, you know, basically software. And uh, we're going to be releasing that software uh, this year and making it available. The, uh, the personality assessment uh, based on these principles and, and uh, potentially additional uh, um, uh, vectors that aren't discussed here will be made to the available to everyone within this community in the very near future. But again, guys, it's all based on this. It's all based on this abacus. It's literally who we are, you know, right here. And again, as I said in season 18, it's because of this abacus that I just, I, I maintain, I have no choice but to maintain. Like I said in season 17, episode one, that, you know, if I had a choice between, if I had to put money down between intelligent design versus macro evolution, which one's true or false, right? I, because of how this abacus works, because it follows, uh, you know, the, the mathematical foundation of the universe itself uh, with these dynamics, uh, I would maintain, fundamentally maintain that intelligent design is true and macro evolution is false. I maintain that microevolution is true, but that's a different story. I mean, it, it, we have absolute um, order, you know, being brought to chaos within our minds, and it always follows the structure of the type grid every single time. The type grid is the key to understanding. Uh, it, it is literally the Rosetta Stone to the human soul. And the more people that know it, the more people that are able to use it, uh, fundamental positive change will occur here on earth. How? Well, if you understand yourself, if you understand you're a dualist, for example, you'll forgive yourself. You'll realize that you're forgetful, for example. You'll realize that um, you have DI trickster and thus aren't really good at logic and all about belief and perception, et cetera. And you'll be okay with that. You'll, you'll forgive yourself. And then you'll, because you've forgiven yourself, you start to love yourself, right? And then because of that, you'll start to enforce boundaries and personal standards, right? Enforcing boundaries with other people where you will not allow anyone to mistreat you because it's like, no, I'm a dualist. I'm an ESFP. They need to respect me because I'm one of the 16 types. I'm a legitimate person. I'm not just some ADD, ADHD uh, person that they're just assuming I am because I'm not behaving like an ISTJ, which is who they want me to behave. And that's why they put me on Ritalin, for example, right? Because it absolutely legitimizes who you are. The type grid legitimizes your identity. It gives you the ability to understand, forgive, and love yourself so that you can defend your identity, which means you're holding yourself to higher personal standards, you're holding other people to those uh, personal boundaries, that way you will be ultimately happy because you do this. But guess what? That's only half the side, that's, the, that's, that's, that's only half. The other half is, because you understand yourself, you're forgiving yourself, and you love yourself, guess what? You can understand others. And that means you can forgive others. And that means you can love others. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Wait a minute. Gee, Mr. C.S. Joseph, does that mean that, like, if all of humanity understood these concepts that, you know, there would be really no need for war anymore? Yeah, that's correct. 
there'd really be no need for such useless conflict anymore. Because if everyone understood the Rosetta Stone to the human soul, that is the type grid, they like might actually like be at peace with each other. You know, I think it's kind of necessary, you know, that human beings actually forgive each other as a result of a fundamental understanding of each and every person's point of view. I think that's absolutely necessary. So anyway, uh, that's it for this lecture, a little bit shorter, but uh, gonna be going on into uh, Q&A. So guys, if you have any questions, uh, now is the time. Uh, so let's, uh, let's head on over to Q&A at this point. Uh, let's see here. I think I, I think I hit like 40 minutes, at least I hope I did. Uh, okay, so, okay. Can you give us a quick example of how you identified someone's quadra? Sure, absolutely. So, um, so for example, um, you have to really understand uh, cognitive axis dynamics first. So like you're talking about uh, sword and mace, uh, fire and wind, earth and water. Uh, so let's, let's do an example, like Bruce Lee, for example. He's an obvious crusader. Why is he a crusader? He's very dutiful. He says in his words all the time, you know, be like water, right? And he talks about the concept of being very rigid and un unbreakable. And one of his books, one of his philosophy books, he talks about an oak tree, for example, right? And this oak tree is very firm. It stands firm against the wind because the oak tree represents the introverted sensing. The wind represents the extroverted sensing. And as the wind beats on that oak tree, eventually the oak tree will break. And then the oak tree is broken. And then uh, what uh, Bruce Lee is trying to argue is that you need to bend, bend with the wind, like the bamboo. The bamboo is not going to fall over, but the oak tree will fall over to the wind, for example, right? So, and that's a fundamental difference. If you understand these concepts, you can apply those concepts, you know, uh, uh, to people. And Bruce Lee, for example, he's an expert intuitive. He constantly says, be like water, because water is not destroyed. You can, you can heat it up, you can steam it away, you can push it away, but it always comes back. It always forms together again, right? And that's, all about expert intuition that's water affinity and if you have water affinity you automatically have earth affinity because earth and water go together because they're on an axis so you instantly know like for example according to the type grid uh, we instantly know that uh, he he's an earth and water user okay so who are all the earth and water users well those are philosophers and crusaders so if we're typing Bruce Lee we know he's not a gladiator we know he's not a, uh, a marshal. We know he's not a cleric. We know he's not a duelist. We know he's not a, uh, an artificer. We know he's not a ranger or a paladin or a druid, for example, but he's any of the other types, right? And then he's constantly talking about, you know, utilizing logic, very sword, very critical of people. Oftentimes, uh, people have complained uh, and written stories about how critical he is, but then all of a sudden he can be really warm at the same time. And that level of high level of critique, this introverted thinking, it is the sword. And, the, and then being really warm and healing to people and supportive to others, uh, that is the mace. So that's sword and mace. So that you're combining sword and mace plus earth and water. Remember, according to the quadrant four square that we just saw a few minutes ago, that automatically means Bruce Lee is a crusader type, right? And that's an example. So we know now that he's a cavalier or a rogue or a knight, or an ardent. And then I go beyond that and say like, okay, yeah, he's obviously, he's obviously abstract, he's not uh, concrete, which means that, you know, he'd have to be a rogue or an ardent at that point. And uh, he's all about the journey. He's not really about the outcome. He even talks and uses about the journey all the time. I'm talking about how, uh, and making multiple attempts and uh, how he tried so many different styles of martial arts, uh, within his career, and he developed the ultimate system of Jeet Kune Do, which is Gung Fu, it's the ultimate form of Gung Fu, in my opinion. And uh, Jeet Kune Do, uh, basically he's taken all the best parts of so many different martial arts and completed uh, a, a new uh, system, a more complete system that is ideal for any situation. And it, that JKD was created from an affiliative point of view. It was created specifically for, or from a pragmatic point of view, it was created specifically for street fighting, right? It was made for street fighting. It wasn't made to be like this Wing Chun dance, et cetera. You know, it's, it's all about, um, you know, what is the results? Uh, it's all about, you know, dealing with the fact that you might 
need it to defend yourself on the street in an actual street fight. That was the purpose behind JKD, which is a very pragmatic standpoint. Whereas, you know, you have the very affiliative martial arts like capoeira, for example, where it's about the dance or it's about the music, it's not necessarily about combat, right? Whereas his martial arts system was literally for combat and just combat. A more pragmatic point of view. In order for a person to maintain one's own safety and independence, right? Instead of being interdependent, right? So it's very pragmatic, right? So we have abstract and pragmatic. So we know he's an NTP, but then because he sampled literally all of these different uh, martial arts and moving from one to the next one to the next, starting it and then not finishing and starting another one, not finishing, starting another one, very notorious for being a starter type within his communication style. Ergo, Bruce Lee's literally an ENTP. He's a rope, folks. So that's an example of typing somebody using this type grid abacus approach with these four vectors to be able to arrive to an accurate conclusion as to how someone is typed, et cetera. So let's get back to the questions. All right. Um, I'm going to mark these here. Okay. Uh, can you uh, very briefly explain uh, bow and arrow? Bow just represents extroverted thinking. Uh, that's that's all it is. The reason why is because um, look at it this way: like an INTJ versus an ENTP, right? An ENTP is up close and personal and in your face, right? Kind of like that spy in um, um, Team Fortress too, right? Just comes up behind you. It's got a knife, one hit kill, right? Or when you're playing that other game, Titanfall. And uh, you have that one little pistol that like automatically locks in on their uh, their pressure points for like instant kills, one hit, for example. Those kinds of weapons, those are very appealing to ENTPs. Whereas a sniper rifle uh, is more, you know, in in line with a ranger and INTJ. They're a very ranged type, right? And why is that? Because it's like, why would I want to put myself in danger if I could do it at a distance, right? That's why they're they're very that's why they're about bow. Expert thinking is about a ranged attack, a ranged decision. It's not up close and personal like introverted thinking is. That's why introverted thinking is a sword. Plus it's a double-edged sword. It cuts the person it's cutting and the user at the same time. So it has to be strong enough to handle that. So hopefully that answers your question. Okay, uh, John Stevenson asks, would you agree that SE is better at spotting the difference while NE is better at spotting the similarities versus things? No, I want to agree with you, John, but I just can't because in terms of physics versus metaphysics, uh, the tangible versus the intangible, it's, it's not really, I, I don't necessarily think that's the case because even expert intuition through introverted sensing can spot the difference. An introverted sensor can walk into a room and instantly know when something is different about that room. Whereas an extroverted sensor walks in the room, they don't really have very much memory about things in that room, right? Like what if it's like a shop where they have tools and whatnot? Are those tools like actually there? Are they all in the right place? The extroverted sensor assumes that all the tools are exactly where they left them, right? Which is that one assigned area where they are so they don't have to really spend so much time remembering things and they get super ragey when their tools have been moved, right? My grandfather did that to me all the time. Uh, and he's an ISTP. Uh, so, so I, based on these examples, I, I, I will not agree with this at all, John. Uh, uh, it's, it, I don't think that's a way to, to uh, classify um, SE versus NE in terms of uh, similarities versus differences. I think both of them could utilize both of those pretty easily. So awesome, thank you for your question. Uh, Moody McSorley asks, can you give examples of how having a movement versus progression, you mean, versus outcome focus comes out in people's everyday speech and conversations? For me, this is the hardest to follow during the How to Type Famous People episodes. It's more of, you have to look at the context. It's more about the context or the intention behind what's actually being said or what's actually being done. Uh, you also have to look at it from a systematic and interest point of view. You have to remember it, it's not a static thing. You can't, uh, you can't apply inductive reasoning because you're actually asking an inductive reasoning question. There's no, there's no static. You have to look at it from a dynamic. A dynamic is like you're, you're oscillating between true and false. It's like, oh, if they're not this, then they have to be this. You have to look at it that way. You can't just qualify it and just be like, oh, they're this. No, you can't do that. You know, 
uh, remember, deductive reasoning is all about the assumption or the fact that if something is if something is not true, then that automatically means it's false. Whereas inductive reasoning doesn't believe that. Inductive reasoning has nothing to do with that. Inductive reasoning is it's this, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it could be false. Doesn't necessarily mean that it could be true. It's different. See, so deductive reasoning automatically assumes that and knows that if it's not true or if it's false, it's automatically the opposite. It automatically qualifies as the opposite. So you utilize that in terms of movement uh, versus outcome, for example. And uh, movement, you know, in terms of progress, you know, is someone enjoying the journey of the conversation or are they really focused on what, the, what is the point of the conversation? Are they just talking the talk or is it, uh, are they are they adding in a few things? Are they keeping it going, or are they not? Uh, are they trying to finish the conversation? All those things have to be asked because, in terms of progression, is it starter progression? Is it finisher progression? Uh, so many different things. So again, it all comes down to the intention of what's being said uh, in conjunction with the context of what's being said, and then you have to utilize that data and then bounce. Uh, you have to bounce off of the other vectors with the type grid in order to come to a conclusion. Bottom line is, Moody, I can't give you a static answer for that question. You're asking for something that I just cannot provide. Uh, so again, it's, it's literally because, you know, the, the deductive versus the inductive. And again, this is also why I maintain Templars are the best people for psychoanalysis. All right, so let's see here. Another question. Do you type nonfiction authors primarily by Quadra? Uh, I don't know, probably not. I mean, Russell Brunson, he's a crusader, right? For example, uh, Jim Edwards seems like he's a, a philosopher, et cetera. I, 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 really, I really can't say that's what I do primarily for authors. Um, I really don't. I mean, I can always watch interviews, et cetera. And not only that, like, don't forget, like, there's also so many ghostwriters out there. And if someone's ghostwriting, like, how do I know if they're ghostwriting or not? And what about that person's type versus the original author? Like, who's who? You know what I'm saying? So it's really hard uh, to do that. Usually, I look into more than just actually reading just, just their book uh, to really come up with a conclusion. So and I think that's very necessary to do. All right. Abby asks... So to quickly find out someone's quadra, look at their personality like dutiful, SI, warm, FE, highly critical, TI. Those are just some examples. If so, what are the other main attitudes to work for? Uh, look for? Uh, I recommend you watch all of season 16. Uh, season 16 will provide you with plenty of data in order to discern cognitive armaments uh, to, that, uh, to that end. And that's with perception and judging functions. Uh, uh, affinity versus arsenal, uh, respectively, according to ultimate messaging formula. So hopefully that answers your question, but ultimately watch season 16 playlist on the YouTube channel. Another question, appearing very well antiquated, can you appear as all of the quadras? So like ENTP Crusader, can go look like an INTJ Wayfarer and really seem like a Wayfarer, especially unconscious focus? Yeah, it can happen. Just depends on the situation. This happens all the time in movies or in acting. It is, it's extremely common. I don't see why it wouldn't be common. Uh, so just uh, something to, to be aware of, um, I think. Uh, another way to look at that also is uh, go to like TV tropes, uh, look up TV tropes and consider how each individual trope is actually potentially one of the four sides of the mind um, uh, that's being, uh, and which, which of which of the four sides of the mind is actually being represented uh, within uh, the TV tropes, actually. And I think having that exercise would further answer your question. Uh, so and hopefully that does answer your question in a meaningful way. All right, some more, uh, some more uh, questions. Um, uh, thank you, Abby, for stating that. Uh, for trying to be more subtractive instead of, uh, yeah, use subtraction guys with the type grid, don't use addition. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Oh, another question uh, from Mr. Newt. 
I think you mentioned in another episode that the best way for an ISTP uh, is to teach. Why is that? Is that like that for all Templars? Kind of. It kind of is like that uh, for all Templars. Look at it this way. An ISTP, they need to teach, and they need to teach a good amount of people. It's not just one person uh, because they're ENFJ subconscious. Developing one's subconscious is like the best and most happiest part of themselves. If someone does not develop their subconscious, they get to midlife crisis, right? So uh, they need to develop their ENFJ mentor side of their mind. And this is why ISTPs, I highly recommend them being teachers because they become the most fulfilled people as a result, right? It's super, it's super important. Uh, ESTPs, however, is completely different. It's more of a, a master versus apprentice uh, point of view, rule of two point of view. Darth Vader is an ESTP. And when he falls to the dark side, he's stuck in his ISTJ shadow, right? Uh, he's very pragmatic. And then boom, he's like stuck in his ISTJ shadow because the emperor literally has him in shackles, etc. This is a really good example. Uh, as to how that works. He starts out as a gladiator, super powerful, then he ends up being this archivist and trying to uh, uh, bring back Padme from the dead because of everything that he's lost. And in his S.E. Windy rage, he ends up killing her, for example, right? It's, a, it's, it's, the, same, uh, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, but Master and Apprentice, the, the Sith, the rule of two, uh, because uh, the ESTP would rather uh, take and put a lot of their effort into just one person and not necessarily a group of people. Uh, that's really important to ESTPs. And I was that person. I was the uh, apprentice to my ESTP mentor's mastery, basically, when he introduced me to his interpretation of this psychology, right? Um, which I'm very thankful he did. Uh, it changed my life uh, for the better. Um, and uh, whereas with INFJs, it's not necessarily about that. INFJs need to develop a lot of personal strength and capability, and then they lead a wolf pack. Uh, ENFJs, uh, they're trying to um, really hone their creative genius in some capacity to, uh, and they, they already teach people by default anyway, but they're kind of more just trying to become that uh, very capable, independent person. They realize how dependent they are, how interdependent they are, and they're trying to discover their independence, which is taking them away from uh, teaching. So hopefully that answers your question. Gosh, allergies are horrible in here. Okay. So um, Moody McSorley says, thanks so much for the thorough answer. Funny how my question is requesting an inductive approach without me even realizing it. I'm working with TE inferior TI demon here. Well, I... Glad to have been a help, uh, good sir, um, very much so. And um, Jared Hines has his hand raised. Uh, do you have a question? Are you gonna put that in, uh, in the chat for us? Or, oh, hold on, got uh, even more, uh, more questions. Uh, why as an ENFP am I more in the here and now more often? I don't know what you mean by that. I mean, are you like an ESFP? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, and also resemble an ENTP with an ISFJ subconscious. Uh, probably just need to verify. Remember, everyone has every trait. You just have to identify which ones are primary versus secondary. Blooper asks, in your INFPs compared to INTPs video, you said that FI was a thinking function. If so, would their reasoning be inductive? Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, how do you stop? Okay, so these questions are not relating to the lecture, guys. Let's not, let's not stay off topic. Let's stick to the lecture, please. How do you stop an ISFP from getting so upset? Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, tell them you think highly of them. That's probably what I do. And uh, okay, so Abby asks, can you maybe then type someone by asking them what they would probably do during a midlife crisis? No, because a lot of people actually are very ignorant of them being in midlife crisis, much less being willing to admit that they have a midlife crisis. So I can't answer that uh, question accurately. And uh, so you're supposed to subtract types or are you supposed to subtract aspects? Uh, both. The answer is both um, when using the type of the quadrant four square, like abstract versus concrete 
or is it subtracting a disposition of communication about? Yes, the answer to that is yes, all the way across the board. Um, uh, and yes, it was answered, uh, FI is a sphere and T as well, they're ranged weapons because the FI and the TE user, uh, they can't be, uh, you know, being up close and personal uh, is not their preference. They always like to attack from a distance if possible. You know, if you really value yourself and, uh, uh, and your own personal safety and how you feel about yourself, you wanna make sure that you're putting a lot of distance between you and somebody else necessarily on a battlefield for whatever reason. And that's why those symbols were chosen, so. Um, but fair enough. All good, Mr. Jared Hines. All right, folks, that uh, closes our Q&A session uh, for this uh, live lecture. Thank you all for coming. Uh, don't forget our Ruby conference. Uh, we're gonna talk about dating tips and visual typing. Dating tips and visual typing. Uh, you will want to be on this uh, Ruby conference this month. Uh, it is coming very soon. csjoseph.life forward slash Patreon to check that out. Otherwise, folks, it's been fantastic to have you as usual. Uh, thank you all for uh, being uh, my patrons and also our audience. Uh, we love you all. And let's continue to keep making a better world uh, as we do it. So with that being said, folks, I'll see you guys tonight. Later.